La combinación que todos estaban esperando. Man, I haven't heard this one in a while. Trying to get me all juiced up because you know we're talking Red Wings. That's what it is. I know you're trying to get me fired up right now. Danny Kayla, Ryan Elke, Anthony Bellino, all joining you here on X's and Bros. Time now to open up that Meyer Super Center guest line. Welcome to the show for the Wing Wheel Pod, our good friend Ryan. Anna Ryan, my man. Good morning to you. How are you? How's life? How are things, partner? Good morning. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's good. Uh, watching some exciting Red Wings hockey for the first time in years, so I'm not going to complain. Hey, life is good, right? I mean, these are all good things. And I do have to ask you, when, when we're looking at this team, Ryan, do you what what is the main change that you see from this team last year under Jeff Blashill to this year under Derek Lalone? And is that more of a structural change for the Wings, in your opinion, or is this more of a personnel change because of what Steve Eisenman was able to do in adding some guys in the offseason going into this year? Well, you have to look at it as a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B situation. First and foremost, you've got to give credit to Derek Lalone, what he was able to do with the structure of this team. Uh, he knows what he's working with. And regardless of the fact that he doesn't have you know, uh, elite NHL superstars, he has his team playing responsible hockey. Uh, the kind of hockey that wins you games, even if you, you don't always have the best players on paper and uh, essentially preparing the team for when they are better equipped to, to be more serious cup competitors. But the, the real bulk of the answer here is the personnel. Vili Huso, for most of the season, has been playing at least above average, sometimes, you know, phenomenal hockey where he's been stealing games in net, and at worst, I think he's been average. So uh, that goaltending situation is better for them. Uh, they have way more depth and support. Um, again, I, I said they don't have a ton of elite guys, but they have a lot of really good guys, and they filled up the lineup. So that last win against Washington, their depth, their third and fourth lines were better than theirs. Uh, the roster still has holes, but it's, I think, better than what Jeff Blashill had to work with in the past. Wow. So uh, maybe uh, maybe a little a little combo of the two. It's still trying to find the right ingredients uh, to get this thing to get this thing cooking yeah. in the in the right direction. Some of the news yesterday uh, that maybe came as a little bit of a shock to to some people is Jacob Verana, who was moved down to you know set down. And and how does this affect what his availability and eligibility with the Red Wings will be moving forward? Why did they send him down? Well, it's a complicated situation with Verona. Obviously, uh, folks will know that he entered the player assistance program uh, uh, earlier this season. And um, honestly, I, I want to say first and foremost, massive credit to him uh, for for being able to come back from that and get even a game again in the uh, in the winged wheel. So, um, it, again, it's kind of what I alluded to before. It's a very full lineup, especially at forward. That group's been a winning group. Uh, they... Verona probably didn't get as many games in as he thought he might when he initially got called up just because they were on you know a five-game win streak. Uh, they're at a point now, because they're getting healthier, Lucas Raymond is returning, uh, where they're going to have to make a tough decision on who stays and who goes. Uh, Jacob Verona was sent down, you know, at least on paper, because he is not, uh, he doesn't have to go through waivers. Uh, he has cleared waivers recently, and, and because of some complicated rules that I won't bore you with, he can pass freely between the NHL and the AHL for a period of time. Uh, and there's still options here. You know, Verona could be called up. He could be sent down and have it be a paper transaction only so that, you know, he stays with the team and they could still 
stick him in the roster. Uh, maybe it's the first injury that happens, and you know the Red Wings have been very lucky on forward recently. They're, they're probably due. Uh, fingers crossed, but you know it's, it's the NHL. Uh, there's a, a lot of different ways Veronica could slot back up. He has a long way to go before being fully NHL game ready. He missed a lot, a lot, a lot of time, which is why you're seeing someone with his talent um, maybe be in such a peculiar situation. It's really complicated, and uh, I'm just happy that he was able to get at least the game in. Do you think that um, at, at some point in this season, that Jacob Verona, do you think that we will see him anywhere near where we saw him last year where it was like, wow, this guy is going to be a really nice piece for this team? You know what? I wouldn't hold him to that standard. Uh, I would love for that to be the case, and, and I would love to sit here and give you a, a pie-in-the-sky situation. But the reality is for someone to have gone through uh, uh, what he's gone through and miss all of that hockey and not be uh, keeping up in game shape, it, it gets you. Like If you look at Tyler Bertuzzi when he initially came back from, uh, and then came back twice actually because he broke both hands this season, he looked out of sorts. It is really hard to miss hockey uh, at an NHL level and, and be up to speed. Uh, not to mention, you know, anything else that Verona's going through, which uh, until you know as a fact is irresponsible to speculate on, I think, the details. Uh, I, I just don't think all the ingredients are there for him to be Jacob Verona of old. I would love to, to sound stupid and have that all uh, be wrong. And, and, you know, in a couple of weeks we see him scoring 20 goals. Um, but I just think for now it, it's the baby steps for Verona. He's Ryan Hanna. You can find him on Twitter at Ryan Hanna WWP for the Wingfield Podcast. If you're not following him already, I don't know what you're doing with your life because it's great Red Wings coverage, 24 seven, 365. Uh, that's what we. Uh, that's what we like, Ryan. You brought up Bert. Let's get to. Him. I mean, what an unfortunate. You talk about breaking your hands like that. This is such a game that, as much as we talk about skating, you got to be good with your hands. Both of them, bro, coming in looking out of sorts. Definitely not the Tyler Bertuzzi that we thought we were going to get this year. What does this organization do with him now? Moving forward, it was like, hey, he's going to be on the block, and maybe he's off the trade block. Maybe Stevie Y is trying to play like some Patriot games there with the rest of the GMs across the league as we can try to start talking a little bit about a playoff push. We'll get to that momentarily. But what do the Wings do with Tyler Bertuzzi? Well, he's made it interesting. Like you said, uh, he, he did, like, both of his hands are broken uh, at different points, and he's like I mentioned earlier, he looked a little bit about, out of sorts coming back. But you know what? During the All-Star break, uh, it was reported that he stayed in Detroit to work on his game. And, uh, man, has it really paid dividends. He has looked over the last five or so games or however many it's been, he's looked like Tyler Bertuzzi of old. He is getting into the dirty areas. He is uh, creating plays out of nothing. He's winning board battles. He's elevating his you know high-level teammates around him. He obviously plays really well with Dylan Larkin. Uh, you're starting to see Tyler Bertuzzi play playoff-style hockey. Uh, and it, it, it's made for a complicated decision because, yeah, he's doing the kind of thing that can get you a really good return and a trade at the deadline from teams that want to be cup competitive. And, and no doubt that Steve Eisenman's been talking uh, with any GM who's interested, and, and that list is long. But he's also been a big part of winning games. Tyler Bertuzzi is also immensely popular in the dressing room. He's immensely popular with fans. He plays a style of hockey that is hard to find at a high level in the NHL. So Steve Eisman and, and uh, Elliot Friedman on, on Hockey Night in Canada reported that Steve Eisman is, for now at least, pulling him off the block while the Red Wings are wanting to give the team a chance. And, and that's valid. Like That's, that's what's happened here. Um, what do the Red Wings do? I personally, I, I think if they can keep him, 
through the deadline. I have no problem with that at all, like passing up on that trade return. I would hope that there's a possibility that he will sign another contract uh, with the Red Wings. But there is some merit to, if you're not getting a good enough trade offer for him, he's better served to uh, give your team a chance for this playoff push because ultimately that's what Iserman will prioritize. Is if the Red Wings can make the playoffs, he's going to give them that shot. Do you think that Steve Eisman just lies to other GMs? Like, oh, he's playing really well. We're just, I mean, we're, we're just looking for the future. You think he just picks up the phone and just straight lies out of the side of his mouth? <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's uh, probably not as much as people think. The uh, general managers are, it's a very close-knit group. And, uh, yes, they're all competing, but they know that they, even if they, you know, fleece each other in a trade, they have to see each other at the next GM meeting or, or whatever it might be or they're still going to probably have to deal with that GM in the future. So I don't think he, he uh, lies so much, but he definitely probably sells uh, as well as other, any other GM does. thing is, he, he doesn't have to for, uh, for Tyler. Tyler's game sells itself. Would, one of my theories about you know, pulling Bertuzzi off the block is it serves Steve Eisman two ways. One, yeah, if he wants to keep him, then he, obviously that's the case. But two, it drives up value, it drives up demand, it drives up interest. You ever wanted something that was in stock and you never bought it, and then all of a sudden you're kicking yourself because it's out of stock and you just wait for it to come back in, and the, the moment it's in stock again, you pay full price? That could oh, yeah. be what's happening here. You might even pay more than full price now that it's back because you wanted it so bad and you were mad you didn't do it the first time. I, I've been a customer. I, I, I'm a sucker for doing that, right? I, I get that 110%. What to you, Ryan, throughout the course of the season, this has been, it's been kind of a, a little bit of a roller coaster, right? Because we started off the year and, you know, they were getting points in like every game. I mean, the first five games, they, they had, they were able to secure some points and it was like, okay, all right, this is pretty good. And, you know, they, they were looking, you know, they were putting together two and three game little win streaks and, then all of a sudden we started to see this team kind of do what they've been doing in the past, which is lose four in a row, win four in a row, lose three, win two, and then get on those big five and six game losing streaks where it's like, dude, you can't, you just cannot do that in the NHL. What seems to be the difference of late? Is this strictly because they're playing teams of, you know, obviously Seattle is in playoff contention. Uh, the Edmonton win is a really nice win, but Calgary, Vancouver, somewhat similar teams from a personnel standpoint, Washington without Ovi, obviously is a different team. What have you seen as far as a change in this club now that we're in the second half of the season? What seems to be the biggest difference? Well, like you said, the schedule hasn't been the strongest, but at the same time, we've seen the Red Wings in previous years where they've lost those games too. So you have to give them credit for at least pulling out those points. And um, the goaltending has been there. I think there's been one bad goaltending game with uh, Huso not having his best one against Seattle. So the goaltending has really been there. And uh, the offense, that's, that's been the biggest thing, is they've been scoring. The offense has been clicking in a really good way uh, post-trade deadline. I mean, there's a stretch there where they scored an average of five goals a game across you know, four, uh, four games, Vancouver twice, Edmonton and Calgary. Uh, the offense has been clicking. It's not just been all Dylan Larkin. Their depth has been really uh, uh, kind of meshing together well. And then, you know, they step up and, and grind out games where the situations aren't exactly ideal for them. You know, Magnus Helberg gave away the puck uh, on a power play, and they got scored on against Calgary, but he was perfect thereafter. Uh, Dylan Larkin got tossed from a game, and then Pew Suter came up with two huge unassisted goals. Uh, the offense has been clicking in such a way where that combination of not the best teams that they were playing and also uh, a good goaltending behind them, 
uh, they were able to scrape out six of their last seven wins. I, you got to be kind of proud of me, Ryan, how long I held off on this next question. But you said it. You said the D word, so let's get to it. Dylan Larkin, what do we do with Captain? Oh, my Captain, what should they do? I mean, eight, eight million a year over eight years i'm not really like i think okay that's fine he wants to look into the nine million dollar range all right like i mean we're used to nba and mlb and nfl contracts where the salary cap number is so much higher uh that in the nhl finds themselves in um in a similar roster to major league baseball less than the nfl more than the nba but less money overall uh, that's able to be dispersed now we have seen growth in the game the espn contract has been great uh, for the league and for exposure to the league tnt the same way i thought that that was the best move ever getting off nbc getting on those two networks them trading nights is great you have this influx into the salary cap that his number today and what that means to the salary cap today three four years from now well, it it's not gonna it's not gonna mean the same. It's 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 gonna be less when you look at the overall cap structure here. How do you feel about eight years to nine years, or eight years? Pardon me, between eight and nine million per year. That's where they kind of seem like we're floating around. Are you comfortable with that? Is he good enough for that? Yeah, that's about the range. I think between eight and nine million. You're, if I had to guess, I would say probably you know eight point five to eight point seven five, in and around there, give or take. Um, am I comfortable with that? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, you look at Dylan Larkin's production. Like, if you just look at his counting stats, goals, assists, points, maybe he's not in that upper echelon of, of players who automatically get $9 million plus. Uh, but he has all the leverage here in terms of he plays a position of need. No, he's the Red Wings' number one centerman. Uh, they have no other options at center. He has a full no-trade clause, so he controls whether or not he can be moved before the deadline, and I don't think the Red Wings are keen on moving him. And uh, he's an unrestricted free agent. It's fully up to him uh, in terms of that leverage. Now, Steve Eisenman has shown time and time again that he flies in the face of your leverage, and he's willing to hold it out to the very bitter end. We saw what he did with Steven Stamkos in Tampa Bay. I think what the ask was from Larkin's camp as like an initial, like you start with your highest bid kind of thing or your highest offer uh, was around Matt Barzell's number or even higher. So, you know, north of $9 million. If they can settle in the eight to eight times eight and a half million dollars, that's about the range. Even if Larkin doesn't produce like uh, some other players in that range in terms of counting stats, one, Look at the hockey he's been playing lately. It's a contract year, yeah, but you have to give him credit. And two, like you, you mentioned very uh, smartly there, the, the cap is going to go up. The hurt isn't going to be there so much. Uh, but Eisenman does this. With his big contracts, with his important contracts, he makes sure he gets them in at the right price. It's not. Uh, this isn't unique to Dylan Larkin. Um, if he gets them in anywhere you know, under 8.5, I think that's a steal in my mind. Ryan Hanna, I would I would love to do this again uh, very soon, man. This is uh, it's is it's it's better than your Twitter, and your Twitter's good, man. I love following you there uh, for Red Wings coverage, and just uh, getting you on the phone to be able to have this conversation is is fabulous. So thank you for that, and I and I know that I'm I'm gonna definitely Dan's gonna be texting you probably in the middle of the night sometime, be like, hey, you want to come on the show tomorrow? But just in case, I gotta ask you this: sixty-two points on the season, fifty-six games played. That is, what, five games less than where the Islanders are at right now at 61 games played and 67 points. 
We're there. The playoff push is legitimate. It's a real conversation. Florida, that second wild card spot, 60 games played, 64 total points. Like you have games in hand to the teams that are in front of you. Do you think that this Red Wings team is good enough to make the playoffs this year? Oh, they're good enough to make the playoffs. Yeah, based on the mix of the teams around them and based on the fact, uh, you know, Islanders, Florida, Pittsburgh, Washington, Buffalo, throw Ottawa in if you want. Those are all teams who are within range for Detroit. So are they good enough? Yes. And and that's something that, you know, I'm surprised by personally uh, at at this point in this season. So they bootstrap themselves into, um, into the mix for sure. It's a beautiful thing. His name is Ryan Hanna. Find him on Twitter at Ryan Hanna WWP for the Winged Wheel Podcast. You can find them at Winged Wheel Pod on Twitter uh, as well. WingedWheelPodcast.com. Ryan, my friend, thank you so much for your time today, partner. We greatly appreciate it and have a great weekend, my friend. Thank you so much. I'm excited to do it again. Fantastic. There he is, Ryan Hanna. I'm telling you, man, it's great. It's great. Great work. If you don't follow him already, you should, if you're interested in the Red Wings, great coverage. I mean, this is what uh, this is what he does. And the Verona stuff is very, very like you know. In in Ryan said he didn't want to bore us with some of the rules. Like here's one: a, uh, an exemption from waivers. A player does not need to pass through waivers if the player has not been on an NHL active roster for a cumulative 30 days since last clearing waivers, or has not played in 10 or more NHL games. The collective bargaining agreement reference 13.2B, despite the CBA reference saying 30 days and 10 games, the rule is actually 30 days or 10 games. So there's an exemption there. So they could send him down. He doesn't have to clear through waivers. Um, you know, there's... I don't I I don't know. It wasn't a salary cap move. It was to reduce the number of days on the roster before waivers might be required again. I I you you hope that he's able to come back and whatever he was going through, um we know where he was at last year and how much we depended and how much we talked about Jacob Verona, Jacob Verona, Verona, Bertuzzi, Larkin, like you know, Raymond, Cider, you're talking about putting together a really really nice group of players here where you start to mention not just one or two guys on the roster, but now you're talking about, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine guys that you're looking at kind of, you know, sort of depending on. And you take one of those big producers out of the out of the lineup, like that's it's a lot, man. It is a lot. Hey, for Danny Kaylin, Ryan Elke, I'm Anthony Bellino saying so long. We will see you tomorrow, same time, same place, right here on the Michigan Sports Network.